The 93rd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you, this might be the happiest we sound for the next 30 to 45 minutes or so as Carolina loses at home to Pittsburgh 76-67. to in a loss that really makes it hard to envision this team playing in the NCAA tournament, barring some miraculous finish to the regular season or winning now, just the ACC say it. tournament. Just, just, just say it. It's like Michael Scott said. It's over. We are screwed. <laughs> it's um, over. There, there's no coming back from this. This is the worst loss in recent memory in Carolina basketball history to a team that frankly sucks. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. Like you didn't bring the effort to a team that is pathetic and you got beat. They got one player and that one player missed half the season with an off the court issue. And he came out and killed you. And you got beat up inside by a dude that has no business beating you up inside. He's not that talented. We've seen that. Nobody's talking about him as an all-ACC player. And you got punked. And you lost to Jeff Capel, a dude who should have been fired two years ago. One of the biggest lame duck coaches in all of college basketball. Um, It's a joke. It's a joke. And I don't know how you come back from this if you're this team. Um, if, if you want to quit at this point, which you've probably already done this season, it's understandable because you – before this, you didn't really have that bad of a loss on the schedule in terms of the opponents that you lost yeah. to. This loss is inexcusable. We've seen some horrible losses from Toriel Athletics – so far this year, this is easily the worst of them. And it's not even, it's not even frankly close. Well, the thing about the thing about it is, is that, and I, and I told you this, and we, I think we argued about this after the Miami and the Wake Forest blowout losses, but the team kept responding. They kept responding. There was going to come a point where they were going to lose a game 
that they were never going to be able to recover from, that was tonight. Because you mm-hmm. lost to a team that entered with a 10-16 and 16 record, had won back-to-back ACC games, but beat Florida State and NC State, teams that you've blown out on your home court within the last three weeks. And you come out after scoring 62 points in the first half on Saturday and beating Florida State by 20, and you trail 40-23 to at halftime, making it the third largest halftime deficit in the history of the Smith Center. All because you turned the ball over 10 times and handed them 20 points. They started the game up 5 nothing, and they thought the game was over and it was going to be easy. And Pittsburgh responded with a 21-2 run later in that first half to get to, to, to seize control of the game. And before the last eight minutes or so in the second half, Carolina had nothing. And I don't understand how that's possible. I, I'm not in the locker room. And we're not around the team every day. But you have to imagine in this world and society we live in, the players know where they stand in terms of making the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And knowing that a loss like this could all but end their season. So how just knowing that in the back of your head maybe, how is that out there, knowing you're still having to win your way into the field more, more than you want to say so, and you come out and you come out flat against Pittsburgh? Here's the one thing that I can say about that, and we have said this since the first month of the year, and especially when we got to the halfway point. This team has no on-court leadership. There is only so much that you can do if you are Hubert Davis. And I think tonight showed that maybe more than any game out there. This is one of those games where you can say whatever you want about, well, the coach is supposed to have him ready to go. Well, after the 5 nothing start, you would have thought he does have him ready to go. Mm. This team simply does not have – the mental toughness or the leadership to sustain taking a punch from any team. We thought it was just good teams. No, that's not true. Now it's any team that's out there. You lost this game at home, a game that in the first two minutes of the game, you felt we should run this team off the court. Nothing that this Pittsburgh team did to you was fancy. There was nothing great about this team. This team is still a bottom half of the league team. This is still probably one of the worst teams that they've played all season, and they showed it late in the game. So, I, I, I mean, I said it. I, I, I thought there could be a look-ahead factor because of how important that game against Virginia Tech was going to be. And I said, this could be like the Boston College game. Somehow, you made it even worse. The fact that you were trailing by 21 at one point in this game. Yep. 
is just unbelievable. There is nobody that could have seen that coming. And I know you were pointed out that Hubert was a little bit quiet on the bench in early on in that second half. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know what you can say at that point, because if I was the head coach, I would honestly be saying, guys, you are playing dudes that are literal crap. And you're just getting, you're just getting beat down. This, this team that you are playing on the other side isn't even going to make a postseason tournament. And they are killing you. I, I, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really, like, that's the point that you're at at this point, where you honestly have to say multiple times during the game, I, I, don't, I don't know what is happening, and I don't know wh- how you can adjust going forward. This is just who you are. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Hubert Davis reiterated in his post game. And I'll give you his quote of the game here in just a little bit. As you mentioned, Carolina trailed by as many as 21. They cut the lead all the way down to six, but never got it smaller than that in the eventual 76 to 67 loss. This is now the second home loss of the season. But this one, this is the worst home loss since you had the streak lose or the streak come to an end against Clemson. And the reason why that loss was bad wasn't that the streak ended because that streak was bound to end at one point. It was the fact that you blew a 10-point lead in two minutes and lost the game in overtime because you didn't foul a three-point shooter. This tops the cake because that team wasn't going anywhere in terms of making the tournament. This team wasn't going anywhere in terms of advancing deep into the field. But now it really puts them on the outside looking in, and now they got to win a lot of games that, quite frankly, they're not capable of winning as, as of right now. Let's take a look at the box score. Pitch shot 51% from the field, 24-47. Carolina just 41%, 24-58. They were 7 of 26 from behind the three-point line, just 27%. Pitt, meanwhile, 10 of 17, 59% from behind the arc. Carolina was 12 of 16 from the foul line, was 75%. Pitt had 18 of 20 made foul shots, so that, that's good for 90% turnovers. Carolina, 10 turnovers in the first half, just three in the second half, but they were able – Pitt was able to turn those 13 turnovers into 22 points. Meanwhile, Carolina forced 18 turnovers and scored 24 points, but it wasn't able to overcome that. They got rebounded Pitt 29 to 28. Um, they got they got out rebound on the defensive glass, twenty three to eighteen, but beat them up on the offensive boards, eleven to five. But they only got four second chance points off those offensive rebounds as Pitt outscored them five to four in second chances. Carolina's bench outscored their bench fifteen to four. Carolina outscored them in in the painted area twenty six twenty two. Both teams with five fast break points. Carolina had six blocks compared to just four for Pitt. Carolina 11 steals compared to just five for Pitt. And then Carolina 13 assists on their 24 made baskets. Pitt with 12 assists on their 24 made baskets. There was three times the game was tied. Three lead changes, but overall Carolina trailed for 31 minutes and 14 seconds in the defeat. 
let's move on to the quote of the game. And I put this out on Twitter. Um, and, and look, you know, the, you you guys that listen to the pod, you, you know that I've voiced my frustrations with Hubert Davis because I feel like there have been times where he's lacked energy and passion on the sidelines and the team needed that. And I, I don't think it would have changed anything in tonight's game, but you could tell if you were listening on the Tar Heel Sports Network after the game, he wasn't very happy with his squad. Uh, he interrupted Jones Angel when Jones was asking his very first question and simply said, the tougher team won. Their will, their want to, their effort was better than ours, and I simply don't understand that. He would go on to say that we have characteristics that we're a soft team, and he said that's up to them to fix because I can't there, – there's nothing more that we can do to make them play tough. Um, and he – he was very honest, I thought, in the post game with Jones Angel. Kind of what we heard a lot from Roy Williams during his 18 years as Carolina's head basketball coach. When Carolina played and played bad, he was brutally honest with us. Hubert has hasn't gotten to that point until tonight, where tonight I think you could tell the frustration and the and the desire to get more out of this team is really starting to show. And I meant to I meant to mention this. In a, in a previous edition of the pod, the radio show I work for at in Charlotte, we brought Dallin Cuff, a guy who you saw on the ACC Network during tonight's halftime show. He joined us last week and when talking about Carolina, said that it, when they called the game against Brown back the second game of the year, they played a piece of sound of Hubert Davis talking to his team after the win over Loyola to start the season where they gave him the game ball. And he, oh. he told his team that, I get frustrated because I feel like I want it more than you guys. 26 games in, I think that's right. I I, I do think, kind of like what you saw from Roy Williams the last couple of years, I think the head coach wants to win more than the players that are on the court playing the game. And yeah, not good. Not good. And yeah. look, K.J. Smith said it in the – Post game show. I think that I think it's uh, all ACC is, is is what they call it. Look, Roy Williams was probably a guy that you know cared more than than the players. But part of that was because I don't think that there is anybody that really cares more about a sport that he coaches, watches, um, root. You know, just just pulls for than Roy Williams. That that was. It, that was a man that lived and breathed Carolina basketball from the minute that he got on campus. And it's rare that you're going to find guys like that. That's the thing that, again, you everybody's kind of got to admit that, look, Roy was just, I mean, he was even different than Dean. I know that Dean was a fantastic head coach, but Dean was a guy that, you know, during the off season, would have times where he would step away. He he wasn't that guy that was always talk that was always talking basketball. Not like Roy. Roy was just a different level. But I, my my thing is is you could see in years past that there were guys that just took pride in every night showing up and playing hard. I think there's I there is one guy on this team that I think does that night in and night out at this point. 
and that's Leaky Black. I think the rest of the team, I, I don't know. I, I think there's just times they tune out. And, and may, maybe R.J. Davis would be included in that group. But it, it is just the, 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 the lack. I, I think, you know, the, the, the care factor is, is one thing. I think the lack of leadership because there's nobody to hold guys accountable Yep. For when they don't, when they don't feel that somebody's bringing that care factor to say, "Hey, wake, wake up, let's let's get to work here." That's what's really lacking on this team, and I think, you know, part of it is that that that's something that you've seen in the past with Carolina point guards. I think it probably goes back to the fact that they haven't really recruited a true point guard in a while um it may sound ludicrous that that a position can really determine that but i don't know with with the the litany of success that they've had at carolina at that position they just they don't have that vocal point guard that they need no they don't and when you put as much emphasis when your program is built around point guard play and you don't have a true point guard, this is the result that you're going to get. And that's something that Hubert Davis is going to have to figure out how to how to adjust moving forward as he tries to find his way as a head basketball coach. Let's move on to the stat of the game. Uh, I really wanted to go turnovers here um, just because of the fact that Carolina turned it over 13 times. Um, but they had 10 in the first half, as I mentioned, 20 points off those turnovers for Pitt, but I, I went three-point shooting percentage because Pitt entered the game shooting 32% from behind the three-point line and shot 59%. Now, and they only took 17 shots. So they, they great, great shot selection on their part, but Carolina just simply didn't defend it well enough. And on the flip side, part of this is, yeah, because Carolina was down in a hole and they were having to chase points, but – just 7 of 26 from beyond the three-point line. And it was pretty evident early because RJ and Caleb got looks early in the game that they weren't able to knock down. Um, Love was just 1 of 6 from behind the arc tonight. RJ Davis was 0 of 2 tonight. And um, it really it really hurt them not being able to generate perimeter offense. And their perimeter defense didn't help them on the other end as well. So we're going to take a quick break. Get you this week's ad from DraftKings right here. Then we're going to come back, yell a little bit more about Carolina's loss at home to Pittsburgh. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 older 
Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details for a list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all of the great offers I've been giving you over here on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things. First thing we got to dive into from tonight's loss a little bit more in depth was Carolina's first half offense. First half offense. Saturday against Florida State, 62 points, 74% shooting overall, 75% from behind the three-point line. Tonight, 23 points, 28% shooting from the field, 21% from behind the three-point line, and they averaged 0.71 points per possession. I don't know in my 15 years watching this program, I've seen a more night and day display on the court than what I've seen from Saturday at 4 o'clock, 2 o'clock, excuse me, to tonight at 8 o'clock. That's as bad an offense that I've seen at home for Carolina in quite some time. And I didn't feel like Pitt did anything out of the ordinary to make it that hard on Carolina. I just felt simply Carolina was – going through the motions, they weren't playing smart, and that was the result that they put out on the court, and there was no coming back from that. It, it, I, I just of, – of all the things that I thought I could have seen in that first half, I didn't see a 23-point half and that shooting percentage coming out from this team tonight. Yeah, I, I... – no, and I don't think anybody did because it was just, as you mentioned, completely night and day and you're at home. You felt like, I, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. He's got, the, he, he's got the size inside. You felt like Armando Baycott was going to be able to bang down low and for the most part handle John Hughley inside. And, you know, even in the last couple of games – this pit team had not scored the ball well. There was one guy that had scored it well, and it was Ithiel Horton. And the success that he had had was inside. He had hit two threes in the last two games that he started. He hit five tonight. Mm. Um, so nobody saw any of this coming. But primarily on the offensive side of the ball, it, it just – it was just a stagnant offense. Everything that they had done well in the last game and a half just completely went out the window. They weren't screening really at all. And that led to some bad shots, especially that that was 
the thing that really just shocked me the most. When Pitt went on their run, the shot selection for Carolina was just awful. I, yeah. I, I mean, it was, it's, yeah. it's what we've seen from them on the road for the first time at home. Like, even if you go back to the Duke game where they got down 33 to eight, it wasn't that they were taking bad shots, they just weren't making anything. Tonight, it was a combination of, yeah, they weren't making anything. But, I mean, you joke about me being picky about what I determine a bad shot. They had a four-minute stretch. They, they went from one media timeout to the next where they didn't take a single quality shot. I, I mean, it's – I don't understand how you looked at what you did in – the two games again that that you had played prior to that, and not say this is a recipe for success. And I don't, I don't care about the charging calls, whatever. You weren't aggressive enough driving the basket, anyways. Before that, those were the, the the couple of times you actually drove the basket, and one of them I thought was questionable. The other one I thought was correct. I didn't understand the uproar on social media about that. Because I think maybe there. Yeah, I mean it's it, and 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 look, I mean, I, I thought that there was a call earlier in the game on the defensive end on Leaky Black that was ridiculous. First of all, I don't think he fouled him, and I thought there was a reach around that went uncalled. But it doesn't matter. The, we we were saying this off air. The refs did not lose this team the game. They yeah. had no business even being in this game at the end because they sucked that bad early on in the game. And I don't really care if people get offended by that's the damn truth. So, and guess what? The last thing, and I'm dead serious, but throw that crap out the window, okay? This team needs to bring cursing back because, my God, the amount of dudes that probably want to just yell the F word on this team is uh, unbelievable because, my God, man, it, it's just to go and, and, it's just the inconsistencies. We were hoping, especially early on in the season, that the offensive end of the floor, the consistency was going to be there night in and night out. And it seemed like it was for the most part. Even, you know, I know the game against Tennessee, they didn't shoot the ball great. They still scored 72 points in that game. And for the most part, that wasn't the real issue in that game. Even I mean, since that point, we we've seen moments where this offense just takes themselves out of the game with poor shot selection, and frankly, they just panic. That's what they did tonight during that run. They panicked, and there's there's I, I don't understand why they felt like they had to do that at that time. Even if it, that team had put together you know, just an 8-0 run and you found a way to slow it down and start knocking down some of your shots, you would have been fine. You panicked, you took bad shots, you turned the ball over. It became a 21-2 run. And by that point, you put yourself so far behind, you were never really able to climb back into the game. Well, you brought up a great point when we were on the phone watching the game. Um, Well, thank you. When when Brady Manick got the second foul, and remember one of the keys entering the game was you got to stay out of foul trouble because Pitt lives at the foul line. They got 20 foul shots tonight. They averaged 21 and a half. But also Carolina's compromise with their depth. 
But it was almost like when he got when he went off the floor, the whole team broke down. And Brady's been a solid player for Carolina. He's brought a lot of good things to this team. I mean, he he hit the game winning shot to to beat Clemson last week, and you know he kept you in the game against Duke a couple weeks ago, and he's really provided a lot more than I than I think we ever thought he was going to provide when he transferred in from Oklahoma. But he's not your best player. He's he's probably he's probably your second best player, but that's not by design because you would hope either Caleb Love or R.J. Davis would be that guy. But it was like the second he went on the bench, they lost whatever they had to start the game. And Hubert put him back in the game with about 10 minutes to go in the first half because he simply didn't have a choice at that point because Carolina was starting to get run out of their own gym. But that 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 was also very frustrating, as was Carolina's defense. Pitt entered the game averaging 62 points per game. 62! And they scored 76 on 47 shots and shot 51% from the field and 59% from behind the three-point line. And I know some of that was gifted by you turned it over 10 times in that first half, and they turned those suckers into 20 points. I get it. But also, when the game was in the half court, especially once Carolina got the game down to six, and you needed one, one stop, you couldn't get it. And it it felt like a Carolina team defensively on the road at home. The Duke game, Duke was sensational. And their dudes were dudes. This, no. All five of Pitt's starters in double-figure score. They had four points off the bench. That's it. So their five starters combined to score 72 points. Horton, 19 points. Five of five from beyond the arc. Hughley, 18 points. Six of ten from be uh, from the field had the banked in three. All of their guys just stepped up and contributed. And as consistently good as Leaky Black has been defensively, it it wouldn't have been enough for him to take him away because all five of their guys were scoring the ball. And it was just a really frustrating defensive effort from this team, something we've said far too often this basketball season. Yeah, it's – and again, it's like you said, this is not a team that offensively you should have been beaten by, that you should have been concerned about coming in. There was nothing about this team. You could say, well, they've been playing better recently. Not, not really. Not really on the offensive end. I mean, yeah, they scored 71 the other day against State. Is that really saying much? Carolina scored over 100 against that team. Um, and in, in the win prior to that, they scored 56. So, I, I don't there, – there is no way to justify the way that you looked tonight on the defensive end of the floor. 
Um, and it was mainly in that one period at the end of the first half when they went on that 21-2 to two run. Um, you just – you simply couldn't get a stop. And yep. there was, you know, that period middle – part of the second half where you couldn't get a stop when you needed it. You were scoring, but you couldn't match them where in the first half you weren't scoring and they were knocking down shots on you. I think that this team, whenever an opponent knocks starts, starts to hit some sort of hot streak, they just defensively do not know how to react and everything starts to break down which I don't understand. Like, that's part of basketball. You've had to have had that at times in your high school career, unless you are just playing scrubs every single time that you play. There there have to be some moments where teams make runs on you. It's, it happens at every level of the sport. You cannot just have everything break down. But it seems like every time that happens to this team, and you're right, it was mainly on the road, but now you're starting to see this more and more at home because it happened against Duke like that, where Duke started knocking down shots. Now, they did it right out of the gate with Bancaro, and the foul trouble didn't help with Armando Baycott, but I don't think it would have mattered. You could already see that team was just frazzled. They were all over the place. It's it's just it's it's mind-boggling to me how you can have a guy that is as defensive technically sound as Leaky Black is but the rest of the guys on the floor just completely poop the shorts when a team starts to get things rolling even a little bit on the offensive end there i mean there were times tonight especially early on where guy, you know, you felt like, okay, we're in good defensive position. Guy just made a play. But the problem is after that, the next few possessions, it's almost as if they're still thinking about that one position possession where, Hey, we played great defense, but it didn't really work out for us. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's, it's just, it's so, this is without a doubt the most frustrating Carolina team that I think I've, I've watched in my time as a Tar Heel fan. Because with the 2019-20 team, you just got a feeling with, with all the injuries that, that, that piled up and everything that just went wrong for that team. This just, this just isn't our year. You knew pretty early on in that season, this, this team is really just not going to be all that great. Last year, yeah, you had moments where, you know, the team underperformed. But for the most part, they took care of business against every team that they needed to. They had some pretty significant wins. Um, the one loss that you would look at and say was bad was Marquette. That's not even remotely comparable to this loss. This loss is way worse than that loss, yeah. um, especially with where it happened on the schedule. So, this is a team that, because we, we've seen it, there have been times, even the other day, where this team looked like a team where if they got into the tournament and got the right draw, they could be a Sweet 16 team or maybe even go further. If, if you look back earlier 
into the year when we talked about this team at their height. And then there's other times where this team honestly looks like they should be playing in the Atlantic Sun Conference. Hmm. <laughs> um, so one thing that really perplexed me in the, in, in, in the second half was um, as Carolina trailed by as many as 21. They cut it down to six. Why, you might ask. Hubert Davis threw out a full-court press, and it worked. And they were forcing turnovers. They were getting bad shots, and they were getting generating offense off of their defense. I didn't understand why it, it took so long and why it's taking so long. You mentioned that when a team gets hot, it's like it's an avalanche comes against, you know, overcomes Carolina, and they they just get washed up. And I think at some point you got to realize, okay, I think the press is working enough to where if if a team makes three or four shots in a row, well, at press or do do something to try to switch up the rhythm. And I think that was something that could have been used tonight, where it was you waited until. You really had no choice but to try to speed the game up. And it worked enough to get you back into the game. But who knows, had you done it earlier in the game, you might have got a different outcome. And I, I think that's going to be something for, you know, as we, we watch Huber Davis develop and, and, and grow and try to become a head, you know, a quality head coach, which I think he's capable of being. It's those decisions where it's like you can't always wait until the under eight timeout and you're down 18 points to, to, to throw out a full court press. It, it's it's, it's got to happen. It's got to happen sooner. Um, and, and and so, you know, that's that's just something that, you know, we'll just have to see if he adjusts that the next time Carolina's in this position, probably Saturday afternoon up in Blacksburg, Virginia, which leads us to really the ultimate question. What's next? Because so, so I asked this question. I, I asked this question on Twitter because I wanted to see what some of the responses would be. And, and I'll give I'll give people a lot of credit. It's kind of all over the place. Um, I, I said, is there a way for Carolina to make the NCAA tournament now without getting the automatic bid by winning the ACC tournament title and some people said no, absolutely no chance. I don't, I don't know if it's if it's at that point yet, um, because it is a power conference loss. Again, it is a terrible loss, and the net the thing is, we're not just saying, hey, look, this is a, a, a horrible loss, and and you know the reason why it's so bad is because it's just Pittsburgh, and we know that it's that bad of a loss. There are stats to back it up. This team is 188th in net ranking. Um, that that is by far the the lowest loss that Carolina. They they have only had one other quad four loss in. I don't remember exactly what the stat was. I think it was like the last 10 or 15 years. And that was to Wofford back in 1920, which, oh, well, sorry, in 2019, 2020 season. Um, and, and, and 
that season, again, that was early on in the year, too, where, okay, that team didn't wasn't going to make the tournament, but that was one that you could recover from at the time. The timing of this loss to a team that was as bad as Pittsburgh was is what really has you at this point. That being said, I think what most people are probably looking at is Carolina's got to probably win out the rest of the regular season. And then you probably have to get to the semifinals of the ACC tournament, I would feel like. Because, I mean, we had, you know, speaking of, of our brilliant radio station that we work for, we had uh, Mike DeCourcy, who is the hoops expert, um, bracket expert for Fox Sports, also does some writing on the college basketball side of things for the Sporting News. Um, and, and he said, look, Carolina's case is that they haven't lost any bad games. That was earlier today. Yeah. That's changed now. So now you've got to get some big wins on your resume. I, I mean, maybe this isn't as damning as we think. We'll have to wait and see. But it feels like at this point, I think the path to them being able to make the tournament and where you go from here is you've got to say, look, well, first of all, on Saturday, must win. No denying that. All Every game up until Duke now is there is absolutely no way that you can lose. If you lose – you might as well pack your bags and just not play the rest of the season because it's over. There's no point at that in, unless you're going to make the run that Georgetown made last year in your conference tournament. You're not getting it. But yeah, and, I think the question is, is, is it, it – do you have to win the Duke game to get in at this point? I think – you probably do. I think you probably got to go undefeated the rest of the regular season and you got to make the conference semifinals because when it comes to the NCAA tournament field, they, especially the last couple of years, net rankings for you and for the opponents that you face and pick up significant wins or significant losses to really matters. And this one really hurts Carolina. I just I just don't know how you recover from this because this is bad. This is really, really bad. And there's no reason for this team to be confident to go on the road and win. And you got to go to Blacksburg, a place historically, Carolina. Doesn't play very well to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium and win in a game that might be the toughest regular season game in the history of the sport to win. And that's what you got to do to put yourself in the tournament. I, I, I'd almost have more faith in them winning four games in four days in the ACC tournament than them going on the road and winning games. In this conference against, you know, average to above average competition like Virginia Tech or the best team in the conference like Duke. I think it's fair. 
And here now, I will say this, and this was an interesting point that was brought up by a guy who we work with, big-time Duke guy. And I thought this was an interesting point that he brought up this morning after watching last night's game. He said that he doesn't feel like Cameron is as intimidating to opponents as it's been in the past. Don't know what's changed, but for some reason, it just doesn't feel like kids view Cameron as this impossible place to go and win games. Now they still have a lot of success there, but I thought that was I, I thought that was a really interesting point from a guy that watches every Duke game and lives and breathes Duke basketball. I, I just – I feel like this team is at an impasse where this is who they are. And who they are is an average basketball team. And average basketball teams, guess what? You don't deserve the chance to play in the NCAA tournament. And granted, their brand is going to carry them a really long way. And if they luck into at least one quad win or two quad wins, the committee is going to put them in the in the field because of the name on the front of their jersey and the ratings they'll bring the NCAA tournament. But I, I thought all along when the blowout losses kept happening and kept happening, at some point, they were going to stump their toe and there was going to be no bouncing back from that. I think they finally reached that point. And it, it, it really stinks because I kind of thought after the second half at Clemson and the way they played on Saturday against Florida State, I really thought this team had finally turned whatever corner they were trying to turn all season long. Well, there's and, no, no offense that at this point. And and I'm I'm there with you too. We you if if you think that at any point moving forward, it's on you. You're you're foolish because this team just keeps proving time and time again that they are just way too inconsistent to to think that. And and again, it, everything that we've said here goes back to the lack of leadership. And that's the reason why it's so hard to feel confident about the fact that this team really even knows what they got to do to be able to get to that point. I mean, I think Hubert Davis could tell them, and I think you're right. The more and more that I think about this season, the more that quote is starting to really stick with me of Hubert Davis saying in an honest moment in the locker room after that Loyola game, sometimes I feel like I want it more than you do. It got, you, you need that guy that is the coach on the floor. We said so many times with so many different guys under Roy Williams, he's an extension of Roy Williams on the floor. Who the hell is the extension of Hubert Davis on the floor? I don't see that guy. I don't. And and even if, okay, well, I'm not really a Hubert Davis guy, you know, okay. Who is the extension of the head coach on the floor? It wouldn't matter who it was at this point. I don't care who you put out there because we saw it the last couple of years with Roy. 
There was a lack of leadership. There was nobody that really wanted to match Roy's intensity on the floor, really wanted to be that guy that was going to translate what he was saying in the huddles onto the floor. So ultimately, you know, we can spin whatever web we want to try to spin here. It's every game that you go into, you're going to say to yourself, is there a chance that this is going to be a game like the ones that we've seen earlier this year against insert team here? And you know what? At this point, you should have those thoughts in your head. You're justified in that thing. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely not wrong. And it's something that when Carolina looks back at the season and they – they didn't accomplish the things that they wanted to accomplish and were capable of, of accomplishing, they're only going to have themselves to blame. And, and that's, that's going to be the most frustrating thing when we get into the offseason is, is looking back and just saying we did it to ourselves. So that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, do want to get you guys over the website, HeelToughBlog.com. There will be an article posted about the Pittsburgh loss. It'll be up there tomorrow for you guys. Go a little bit more in depth on some certain aspects in tonight's defeat to Pittsburgh. And, of course, I'll be getting ready for Saturday's matchup at Virginia Tech. Football side of things. Um, you can go back and check out some stuff about the guys getting ready for the upcoming NFL draft now that the NFL Postseason is, is is complete with the Super Bowl commencing on Saturday on Sunday. As Anthony will keep you up to date on all the news and nuggets around Carolina football. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone. You can find us on every major podcasting platform simply by searching the Four Corners Podcast. Like the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, we do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any any additions of the pod during the, the remainder of the basketball season. What is going to wrap up this edition of the pod? want to thank Anthony for staying up late to record with me tonight. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.